Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Thursday, May 18th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice, on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that they start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also download a whole host of audio files of shows just like this one where people have been stepped through that worksheet process and or there have been detailed discussions about how to use it in various situations or the powerful dynamics that allow it to be as effective as it is. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more actively they pursue the use of these tools in their life. And secondarily, it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Call 563-999-3581 and press 1 on your phone. 
or send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org, or you can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. That's Jeannie at w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g. Here is a Skype caller has their hand up. How can we support you today? Hi, my name's Robin. Did you say Robin? Uh, yeah, yeah, my name's Robin. I just wanted to thank you for your show, and, and uh, you know, you in- inspire me every episode. I appreciate it. Well, you're, you're welcome. Where are you calling from? Uh, New York City. How long have you been aware of the show, and it's, and have you used any of the tools in your own life? Oh, of course, yeah. You know, I, um, I've been listening to the show since about January, and, uh, yeah, you've helped me a lot. And, you know, like some of the things that, that I say to inspire people is, is influence from you. Like, uh, you know, everyone smiles in the same language. Have you ever heard that? Yes, Have you said that Absolutely. on your show? Because you might. What's that? I don't believe I've said that phrase on my show, but I certainly heard that. Some of the great minds of our over the past few centuries have acknowledged that kindness is its own religion. Mm-hmm. And you can only receive what you believe. It does tend to work that way. This is a very powerful device, this mind-body energy system, and as Michael Rice likes to point out, it's a creative force. It's always on. You don't have any choice about that. You only have a choice about what kinds of thoughts you're going to direct that powerful force towards, and whatever you direct it towards, you're going to get more of it. That's right. And you know what's an, a good force for positive is music, too. I love to sing. Do you sing? Uh, and I don't do so much singing. I do a lot of listening to different good music. Oh. Well, would and you mind I, if I, I sang? Uh, go right ahead. Baby, you're a firework. You know where it hurts. You know that song? No. It's it's one of the songs that inspires me. Feel free. Because baby... Oh, baby, you're a fire... Well, apparently we've lost that caller. So we have time for a comment or a question. 563-999-3581. Call that number and press 1, or send us an email, tjh at mindshifters-academy.org, or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. This will be our last show that's live for a while in the first hour. So if there's been something that has resonated well for you in the past, 
few weeks and you haven't raised your hand, please feel free to do so. I will have this show live today and then tomorrow and all of next week's shows and Monday, Memorial Day, will be recordings. And I'd be happy to hear your comments or questions about anything we've talked about in the last 12-plus years on the show or about the book A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg that we've been reading and reading the essays from there. And um, it is our intention to be of service, and that is far easier to do if we have direct input from you about what is landing well for you, how you're able to use or you're struggling to use the tools effectively in your life. And I was just talking to somebody earlier today about Richard Schwartz's new book, relatively new book, You Are the Ones You've Been Waiting For. And the subtitle of that book is um, in, in, in effect, how to use internal family systems work in intimate relationships. And it is uh, a very well-articulated series of conversations about the way I've worked with people for years and how... I've caught a lot of flack over the years because in a family, in a couples or a family setting, I will try to help individuals who are experiencing an intense negative emotion work directly within themselves to dismantle that emotion before trying to negotiate or shift a behavior pattern with the other person in the relationship or with other family members. And I've faced criticism that, you know, this is not family systems work and you're not doing it right and... It's not family therapy. It's not really couples therapy if you're just working on one person at a time. And and Dr. Schwartz really articulates it well, especially in the first chapter, that if I go outside myself looking for someone outside of me to make me feel good when I'm feeling bad, it's what Dr. Michael Rice would call a codependent relationship. I've created that codependent relationship in the moment that I think anyone or anything outside of me has to change in order for me to feel better. And that's the exact core process of the reality management worksheet that I recognize, and and I put this on the mindshiftersacademy.org website. It's a five-step short mental version of the reality management worksheet that has me recognize any time I don't like how I'm feeling that I can take a breath and turn the focus inside and ask myself, how am I creating this feeling state? And what emotion word would I use for it? The second step in that five-step mental short version of the reality management worksheet is I look for what thought I'm using to create that emotional state. Because as we observe in this work, I will never have a negative emotional state that doesn't result from me pouring mind energy into the thought that leads to that feeling. 
And so when I identify the thought I'm using to create that emotion and breathe and soften, the next step is to recognize that that thought will contain a goal that I'm holding on to that's not getting met. And that goal that's not getting met is actually helping me. The more I focus my energy on that goal, it helps me obscure the truth of how I'm actually creating the thing that I say I don't want to feel. And then I identify the goal. That's the third step. And the fourth step is I say to myself, I cancel the thought and I cancel the goal and I put myself in the open allowing space asking to be shown what hidden part of my mind is actually responsible for this set of sensations that I'm calling emotions that I don't want to feel. Well, Dr. Schwartz in his book is saying it quite eloquently, very in a very focused, articulate way. This is what all of us are doing all day, every day. And our culture has set us up to believe that somebody else needs to be acting in a certain way in order for us to be happy or healthy or and that we're basically he has a whole part in the first chapter where he's talking about how our culture has set us up to fail in relationship and failing in marriages failing in relationships and when you look at the statistics of how many people get divorced after they've been married it, it ranges from the 40 to 50 to 60 percent mark. But then he says what's hidden in that is that when you look at the satisfaction levels of people who stay married, they're woefully low. So many of the people that stay married are anywhere from discontent to miserable. Why? Because of the way our culture is set up, because of the you made me angry, you hurt my feelings, you're responsible for what I'm feeling in my emotions, you've offended me, etc. That dynamic that's never happened but is being held out to us as the ideal way to approach life and to either turn yourself inside out and upside down trying to become who you think your partner wants you to be or to pester and badger or seduce or threaten, or bribe your partner to try to get him or her to change to become who you think you need them to be so that you can be happy, or you can be content, or you can feel safe. And once you identify the, the root of that pattern as false, and you turn the focus inside yourself, and you take on the responsibility to do what only you can do, which is to satisfy the parts of you or the aspects of you, or the traumatized younger parts of you, depending upon how you want to talk about it. Once you do that, now you've opened the possibility for actual growth and healing. And you've opened the possibility for actual, healthy, loving relationship in your life. And until you do that, there is no possibility for a healthy, loving relationship in your life. It is, uh, it's a book that is written in such a way that I've actually already recommended it to a couple patients that I'm dealing with in a marital-slash-family therapy setting. 
Area code 513, you're in the air. Who do we have? Hello, Dr. Tim. This is Yurate. Yurate, welcome. Thank you. How can we support you today? Well, um, I want to share, you know, that I I worked together with my son, and he did a mind shifter. And after the mind shifter, there are a few things that he wanted to say, like, okay, these things that we could work through, or I was suggesting him to work through. And um, when we, the the situation was, when we were going through the worksheet, you know, I did not feel smooth going through the worksheet. For me, it didn't feel like, like it's not that a situation of blame, you know, it is more, it was a situation where he, he was in pain and he just felt hopeless that nothing and no one can help him. And I just didn't know how to put it together to write, you know, what is the trigger, you know, how write the story. Um, so I, I felt like I just kept writing and rewriting, and I thought maybe you could help me to kind of go through that worksheet, you know, maybe kind of maybe even walk together with him. Like he's together here with me and uh, my son, and I just thought maybe we could, I could start reading it, and we could say, you know, like, well, that doesn't really get to the point, or, you know, like, am I hey. off the mark? Okay. So so why don't you start us off with just what what do you have down for you know like whichever worksheet you have what does Right, I do I have the one seven say? step seven step the reality management wake up sheet yeah. And it says number 1 A is I domas and my emotion identified as hopelessness and um so my trigger my object in the beginning I wrote nothing or no one else and then I thought since it was me sitting there when he got triggered I said why don't we write that it was me that was my suggestion I don't know if that if that was the right suggestion or not but I thought maybe that could be more helpful of like putting that somebody's there well so let's, let's so, begin there so, so you, you you've identified that you put the word hopeless or hopelessness in That's right. the field for emotion. Yes. Right? And some people do that and get fairly good results. What I have seen for myself and with the, the worksheet process is that when I have the thought that this situation is hopeless, okay. then I have a thought about hopelessness. And okay. sometimes when I have a thought that this situation is hopeless, I generate an emotion like anger or frustration because I think, doggone it, this shouldn't be. There should be a way out of this. And so I generate anger or frustration about my thought that this situation is hopeless. Or I have a thought that it's hopeless because this or that person won't change or that's, that this is bad and it shouldn't be this way to begin with. So you might start out a worksheet like this and if you're getting stuck and not getting good results, you might go back to the original step one where you're saying, my emotion is hopelessness, and say, okay, that's my thought. This situation is hopeless. And in this situation, what is it I'm thinking is hopeless? And when I think that thought, what emotion do I feel? Am I feeling mm -hmm. sad that it's hopeless? Am I feeling angry that it's hopeless? Am I feeling... I don't know, um, 
you know, uh, confused. Why is it hopeless? I should be able to figure this out. Or frustrated. So that's one, that's one thing that might help you get different results from the worksheet. So in this situation, would you say, like, if, if we would be doing it with hopelessness before, like, would that be like my story is nothing or no one? Or would that be better to say, since, you know, like, okay, mom, you were sitting here at night and nothing is helping. So would that be mom couldn't help me? or? Well, it all depends, right? The, if, if you buy into what I just suggested as an alternate way to go about this, then I would uh-huh. be talking with the, whoever's doing the worksheet and I would ask them to put some words on what is it they think is hopeless, right? So what what is it that they want to be different than what it is? What's, yeah. what's the hopeless situation? You want to say, they want to be here. What do you want to... Yes, just at the time, I just wanted to feel better, and it felt like nothing was helping, and I I guess the emotion I felt was frustration. Good. So so now you have an entirely different worksheet, right? And so I'm feeling frustrated. That's my emotion. And my goal is Mm -hmm. I want to feel better. And you might might put a word like I want to feel content or I want to feel happy or I want to feel joyful, and now you've got the goal. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, what you put in, you know, one C is, you know, what the dynamic is. Here I am, I am at this stage of my life, or I'm living here, or I'm interacting at this job, or with this people, and I'm miserable, or I'm unhappy, or I'm sad, or I'm, and that's what you want to have feel better, right? You want, and then when you you state your goal in the positive terms, so you you find words like I want to feel content or I want to feel fulfilled, or I want to feel joy, and that's your goal that you'd be canceling in this worksheet. Well, in this particular situation, you want to talk about? No? Like when you're feeling like pain and you feel like it's not going away and nothing and no one would help? Like it's not necessarily like it's a physical pain. Is there a question for me in that, Yurate? So I'm just saying, so his goal would be like, I want to feel better. Like, I just don't want to experience, like, I want to be, like, feeling good in my body, right? Especially right, I want to feel comfortable. Okay, I want yeah. to feel comfortable. So, so in, in this work, um, we, we find it's far more useful, instead of saying to be free of pain, to use words to describe the state we want. I want to feel comfortable, strong, safe, happy, content. So if you, use, if you use words like that rather than I want to be free of pain, now you're focusing on the positive outcome. If you say I want to be free of pain, you're still focusing on the pain. Yeah. Strong, happy, and healthy. Yeah. Okay. And if you're actually feeling physical pain, you might say, I want to feel comfortable in my own body. I want to feel strong, flexible, whatever. You can use the words that are the opposite, that help describe the opposite of whatever it is you're feeling that you want to change. Okay. So, And then in the, in, the, in the situation in 1C, you just want to get... Mm-hmm 
here you just want to have a little bit of a description that helps you remember what were the outside circumstances in your life at the time you decided to pick up this worksheet that your mind was telling you is the reason you're not happy or the reason you're in pain. So it might be you know, conflict in a relationship or it might be a dissatisfaction at work or it might be that um, you feel like you, you failed at a work project or that you've got a conflict with someone at work. And uh, the only reason that's there is to help you identify in the future, if you come back to this worksheet in you know six weeks or six months or a year, you'll remember what was the dynamic that was going on that prompted you to pick up the worksheet. Anything comes up? Hey, Maria. It was just recent breakup with a girlfriend. It could be some things that not not completely processed. Could that be a thing, or did you felt like what is in that relationship? You felt like you were not heard. No. You were you feeling guilty or? So how would you describe your story? I felt guilty. Are you there, Yurati? I am. I'm like Okay. So could it be relate? Are you saying that could could it be like what things related to what is going on currently, or it was exactly the situation when he is in pain, like when you're physical pain? I know well, that physical and emotional pain they're so intertwined, but <laughs> well, again, the only purpose for this is just to to be a bookmark for you, so to speak. So if you come back to this later, the critical thing is, here's the thought I'm using to create the negative emotion. Here's the goal that's contained in that thought. And Mm -hmm. then I focus on loving energy and and my true nature. And then I cancel the thought and the goal, and and I put myself in that open space, and I allow the shift to happen. So I encourage people not to get so... Go ahead. I just encourage people not to get so hung up about trying to get it perfect or trying to have just the Mm -hmm. right thing in each slip or each uh, spot on the worksheet. And simply, the key things are the thought, the emotion I'm feeling, the thought I'm using to create that emotion, and the goal that's contained right in that thought that's generating the negative emotion. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing about this is if people like like what's happening now, it seems like either you and or your son are so strongly focused on uh, what should we put here and should it be tweaked this way or that way, it, it reminds me of one of the biggest pitfalls with the worksheet, which is I want it to be perfect. And so I, I spend too much time on one worksheet instead of just putting a worksheet out there and then seeing how I feel and then doing another worksheet and seeing how I feel. Because you can do dozens of worksheets mm-hmm. and, and they can all none of them can be perfect and yet you can get powerful results. 
over time if you're just willing to just keep breathing through the process and putting things on the worksheet and then canceling them and breathing and asking to be shown and like the the way of mastery says each time you do that you get taken deeper and deeper into the purity of your own consciousness mm-hmm. so like you said if it's my story my reality that is and you say saying just to remember the situation itself would be like you know that I'm in a pain in the middle of the night and like so right mom cannot help me even when I'm when I'm in big pain just kind of remind me like okay this was what it was about Absolutely. It could be that simple. Okay. And so the and thought at that time, like, like, to... like, 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 like you were just saying, Yurate, at that time, you know, it, uh, things that are going on in my life, like maybe a recent breakup or some conflict at work, yep. they may not come to my mind at this point as being directly related to this. So I don't need to force that issue. But when I put right. the date on the worksheet, and I have the, the the thought about, you know, here's the dynamic. I'm in pain in the night and no, nothing my mom says is helping. Right. When I look back on this in a week or two or three weeks, I might go, oh, but remember what was happening in my life. And it might kick in and make more sense. And I do another worksheet then about the job conflict or the relationship breaking up or whatever. So just start with filling in the okay. blanks. And being willing to do the breath work and the putting yourself in the open space and canceling the goal and watch what happens. Yeah. So the thought, it still can be that no one, no one and nothing can help me. Yes. And I'm frustrated. Help me, help me feel better, right? Uh huh. Because that's no the goal is I want to feel healthy, I want to feel safe, I want to feel strong, I want to feel whatever words he chooses yeah. for that positive feeling. Right. And there is no self-punishment. It's just, uh, I mean, there's no punishment, of course, for me, it was, but it was... Punishing himself is by not being able to release the pain. Yeah, or staying stuck in, in, in hopelessness or in staying stuck in anger about it. And frustration, yep. And frustration. And as I say to people regularly, sometimes I don't have a punishment thought that I'm aware of. And so mm-hmm. I just I put myself in the open space where I'm I'm willing to feel it if it comes up and come back to it later if it bubbles up in the middle of my release. But I do quite a few worksheets where I don't identify a punishment thought. And as I say that, one of the most common punishment thoughts that I end up using is I say, I'm beating myself up emotionally, right? I'm having these negative thoughts about I should do it differently. I should be stronger. I shouldn't get so upset. I should be a psychologist who knows how to do this already, etc. And and for me, I summarize those with the simple beating myself up emotionally. Right? Mm-hmm. Sitting in a negative thought pattern. That is quite frequently my my punishment thought for self. Right. Okay, well that that's helpful. Because we were able, you know, like in the further things, you know, he was able to, he felt like 
some confused, like unknown how he feels, like almost. And um, and at the same time, you know, I he's like I I see now, you know, that there's it wasn't the right for me to expect that anybody can fix me on, from the outside. You know, so that was that was good. And then you know when he was tapping in the times when he not, not fulfilled that goal, you know, he did remember sometimes when he was by, you know, his sister, by his, you know, friends, when they were struggling either physically or emotionally, and he couldn't do anything about it. So I felt like those were potential future worksheets, right? Yep. And you feel and you feel like you're hopeless and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, this this is helpful, and it's helpful to change that hopeful hopelessness into the frustration and see where which direction it can go. And then, you know, his his goal did he did he figure out his goal specifically? Did he find the uh, positive words he wants to use for his goal? Well, that was you know I want to feel strong, happy, and healthy. First, he was just saying, I want to feel better. But it feels like I want to feel strong, happy, and healthy. Right. And then when he lets himself go into that little meditation and that openness and just breathe and soften and say, I cancel my need to feel strong, healthy, and happy or content, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my mind, of my own mind that's creating this sadness or frustration or this repeated thought of this is hopeless, it will show him a specific part of his mind. Even if he doesn't flash back to a time when he was eight years old and this and that dynamic happened, he will demonstrate to the fearful parts of his mind that he really is willing. So he might do five or 10 or 15 different worksheets where he cancels the same kind of a goal and asks to be shown, and he doesn't get any deep insight. But each one of them is helping to convince the fearful part of his mind that he really is ready. He really does want to see that he can handle what's hidden in the fearful part of his mind, which was overwhelming at a younger age, but won't be so overwhelming now. Right. Yeah, I think there was a part of me probably was getting in the way too because that was just, you know, first time agreeing to do the worksheet and I was so excited and I wanted to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess there was my part in there. Oh, too, you're showing, your your humanity is like, showing. I was like, I how it works, you know, and it felt like, well, <laughs> what he's choosing, it's not really that easy to work too or it's not how my mind works, you know, so it was yep. it was very different. And it sounds like he's picked one where his upset level is pretty high. Yes, it it was high. You know, at that time when we did, it was from nine to ten, so it was really yeah. yeah. And when we finished the worksheet, he did say it would be around six, six, which does show some change. And interestingly enough, we did this worksheet on the tenth, so a week ago. And when we when he we finished the worksheet, he's he was in the in the room and he says like you know when you guys left like for about like i don't know how many minutes i experienced no pain and i was like whoa you know that i i know that emotions 
you know, is the root cause of the physical things. You know, if you don't take care of the physical things, emotional things, and many times it shows up in a physical matter. But it was just like neat to see that even like he, he had no clue that, and he didn't even connect those two together. And, you know, I feel like they, they do connect. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason that Dr. Michael Rice says when he does the, the worksheets and the workshops like this, and he says, okay, if you're going to do your first worksheet, please pick an issue where you've got an upset level that's like a two or a three. And, and there's a specific reason for that because if you pick something that is seven, eight, nine, ten, it's not likely to get resolved in one worksheet. And you increase the chances that you'll walk away from that saying, well, the worksheet didn't work. Right? Oh, because you're, you're, you're in such a heightened emotional state that your emotions are overriding your logic and having you, you know, hide from yourself the thing that you really need to see in this worksheet. And, mm-hmm. and it's a protective mechanism of that part of your mind that thinks it needs to hide it from you. So it might hide from you the very thing you need to see and release to have relief in the worksheet process. And then you might think, well, it didn't work. This, this tool is no good. But if you start mm-hmm. with some smaller things and you get some benefit, or if he's got, like he has with you, the loving support of, you know, you, then he might say, well, you know what? I did go from a 10 down to a 6, and then I, I did have this period of no pain for a few minutes, so maybe there is something to this. Maybe I should do some more. But that takes a little right. bit of willingness and a little bit of, um, you know, confidence right. in the person who's lovingly supporting you. Because right. the and ego wants might not to say be. it doesn't work. Yeah. I think the another thing that I would like to add, you know, that I just now thought of it, like you said, when we do the work, you know, how things shift. Like after his breakup, you know, his uh, girlfriend didn't want to talk about it. Like she didn't want to finish processing, you know, and like didn't want to meet him or see him. And, um, you know, later on, and it was like after we did the worksheet, you know, a few days later, you know, she's like, I think I could, I could see you and I would like to talk. And it could be that just opening the door that it's, Things can be said and processed to the different level and bring healing. And it just moves, you know, in a miraculous way. When we do emotional work, things on a physical level change. Yeah, even and not it just seems within miraculous. Health, within that, yeah. It seems even miraculous, but it's not. Like, it's just the way things work. Yes. That's true. It's not miraculously. It's, that's how it's designed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, but, uh, this is the way it works. There is no separation. Maybe I'm calling miraculous because system. it's still not very common, right? Right. It seems miraculous because it doesn't follow any logical formula based on the idea that we're just physical bodies. Right. right. If If you have this assumption that you're building your logical structure on that says we are just physical bodies and I'm over here and she's three counties away or seven states away and then it doesn't make any sense that if I do work and release some emotional energy that it's going to have an impact on our relationship but if you understand that we are energy beings in an energy world 
and everything works on the law of resonance, as Dr. Michael Ray says, then it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like the Pierre Pradervan gentle art of blessing. If we weren't energy beings having a physical experience, the gentle art of blessing wouldn't make any sense at all. Hmm. Yeah. So this has been helpful to me. What about you, Doma? It's been helpful. Thank you. He is saying something. He said it has been helpful, and he said thank you. Oh, you're most welcome and deserving. I appreciate the call and the ability to uh, just take a a little bit of an effort to clarify something. Of course, the biggest clarifications will come if and when he chooses to do multiple worksheets and just ask for his own insight from his own higher wisdom. Right. Yeah. And I feel like maybe this is more complex, you know, and just going with the simple version, you know, it can feel less intimidated and it's not as many words. Uh, like, I've done this so many times that for me it doesn't feel intimidated, but I feel like for somebody who takes the first time, it, it's, uh, it's a pretty intense worksheet. <laughs> well, but if, if you're so inclined, uh, to send them to the mindshiftersacademy.org website and the five-step short version that he can, you That's know, right. just do in his own head or he can write it down. And on that website, there's my recorded version of the patter, so he doesn't even have to read it. He can just sit there and hit play and have the patter going, and he can sit there and, and just follow along and silently inside himself as the recording says, I cancel my need to be right, I cancel my need for anyone or anything else to change, etc. And it can guide mm-hmm. him through his own releases. That's, that's how I introduce people to that in my practice. You know, they're brand okay. new to this. Sure. I don't send them to the seven-step worksheet because that's like a, an advanced course. That's like a master's degree. And I'm assuming yeah. that they're like at high school level. Let's help them understand the fundamental and those five steps right. and that and that forgiveness pattern are very powerful. They They contain the core of the seven-step process. Right. Yeah, and you know, he since he's been here, you know, for three weeks now almost, and uh, he's been eating well, and you know, the vitality of course goes up, so things stir up and go up to the surface, you know, to be worked on. So I'm I'm really happy that he's willing to do that. Sometimes it takes you know to this intense experience that you feel like, okay, I think I'm ready to do something or anything and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for him to opening, even cracking that door and opening, and hopefully experiencing more and more benefit from it, and then introducing to his friends, you know, and they have a great group of friends, and if they could learn how to process all of what is going on in their life through this way, I think they would be super power group. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'm I'm grateful for the call and glad to be able to be yeah. of some kind of service. Is there anything else yeah. we can support you with today? No, nope. I'm, I'm going to let anybody else go who needs more support. And um, 
Whenever you're going to be leaving, enjoy your time. I heard that you're not going to be present for the next few days or a week. Yeah, tomorrow right? is. Tomorrow we're going to play the uh, the interview I did recently with Pierre Prattervand about his new book, The Gentle Art of Spiritual Discernment. And then there are a couple of other interviews I did for Journey's Dream that I've, the On Your Mind podcast, and I've edited them down so they can be put on a, a few of the shows next week. And um, I will be back on the Tuesday after uh, Memorial Day. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you. I can be muted. Um, I appreciate your right. support and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure and an honor, and you're both welcome and deserving. Blessings. So we have about 15 minutes left, and time for a question or a comment or an answer or a testimonial. And if none of those are forthcoming in the very near future, I will take a look at some of the essays that we have yet to read or maybe we're rereading at, at a, what might be a critical juncture for you or someone else listening from the book A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg. And I will mention before I get started with that that he mentions... Thomas Campbell as one of the um, source teachers for him when he was before he had a memory of his pre-life experience he was introduced to Thomas Campbell's work and he contacted Thomas Campbell and said you know help me guide me and Thomas Campbell said the only thing really for you to do is do your own deep meditation practice look inside yourself for the guidance and so as is so often the case whenever I have the mental emotional bandwidth and energy and time I like to go to read some of the source material from the teachers that I'm getting the most from. And so I have spent about six hours so far. I'm about halfway through the first book that Thomas Campbell has written titled My Big Toe. He has three of them in a trilogy. And um, it's my intention that when I'm away this next ten days or so, that I will do some more exploring of that work and have um, a little bit more to share when I come back. And um, I say that by way of just recommending to everyone listening that you do your own work, your own meditation, your own worksheets, because the worksheet process literally has in it I cancel everything my mind is telling me is right and wrong and good and bad, and I ask to be shown something else. It's a mild, it's a minor, it's a focused meditation, especially if you use the forgiveness pattern that's available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website 
on the page titled Educational Materials. And as I just mentioned to Yurate, it's there for a, a download as a PDF, and it's also, because I was asked to do it, uh, there's a PDF, a, an MP3 of me recorded just reading it, reciting it, and getting in a flow with it and letting it flow. So you can just hit play on that and close your eyes and follow along and do your own little meditation whenever you've got a little extra time for the worksheet process that you're doing. And that is probably going to be far more beneficial than asking questions of anybody outside of you. Even if, you know, Yeshua himself were here, if you were to ask Yeshua direct questions, you'd probably get as much or more out of your own meditation or your own worksheet process because the flavor of what comes through is going to be resonated through this law of resonance that Michael Rice talks about. It's going to resonate exactly the stuff that's most relevant for you when you cancel your thoughts and goals and ask to be shown. What is the fearful part of your mind hiding from you right now? And when you see it clearly, you either see how it isn't really a problem, it's actually a healthy coping mechanism, and so you redefine it as useful, or you see it as something that was useful when you were younger, but now that you're an adult, you've got many other ways to reach that same goal, to satisfy those needs, and you let it go, you release it, you drop, you dismantle, you cancel, you shebag the process that you had created as a child to try to help you through a difficult situation. So this work, Christian Sundberg's work, Thomas Campbell's work, talks about a couple key things. One of them is all of the words we create for this are just hints at, they're just a finger pointing at the moon or some destination. The words do not contain any truth because the meaning that these words resonate in each mind are the only meanings available for each person. An example of that is if I say to somebody, nice sweater, and there's something about my tone or the timbre of my voice or the volume of it or the pacing of it that reminds them of their bully in high school or grade school or their older sister or brother who always used to make fun of the way they dress and it somehow resonates for them that I'm teasing them or I'm being sarcastic or what I'm really saying is it's an ugly sweater or it looks ugly on them when my intention might have been entirely genuinely one of admiration for the way the sweater looks and the way it looks on them the meaning of a word only exists in the mind of the person who hears that word, which is why 
we have people on a regular basis, especially when we would come to the these live support groups and people would show up and we would show a video. We're all sitting in the same room watching the same TV screen. And at the end of a video, it was common, especially for newcomers, to have a little time off for personal convenience and then gather around the big convention table. It was common for people to say, well, I didn't like it because he was so negative and he was so harsh and he was so, and, you know, Eight other people in the room are thinking, all I heard about was him talk about love, right? That we're, our true nature is love, and the, the goal is to be loving in every interaction and extend that loving nature. But how did these people who are watching the same TV screen, hearing the same vibrations coming out of the speaker, how do they take such different meaning from it? Simply because the meaning of words doesn't exist anywhere except in the mind of the person who hears that vibration or that word. And I know it's a difficult concept for us in the Western mind to understand because we are trained so much to know the right answer, to have a specific definition for a word, to look it up, to be able to agree on a definition from one person to another. And yet, perhaps one of the most useful um, examples is one that Dr. Michael Rice used to do in the early years when I saw him do his, his uh, lecture title or his workshop on um, why is this happening to me again. He would hold up a pen or a marker and he would say, now, let's imagine that there are two gentlemen of the same age, that they're in their 30s or their 40s, and they're in the audience as I hold up this marker. And you would think that each of them is seeing the same marker because there's this hunk of energy in my hand and light is bouncing off of that hunk of energy. And when that light is hitting their eyes, you would think they're seeing the same thing. But let's just take an example. Let's say John was raised by a mother who was the most loving, gentle creative artistic and she was a teacher and she they lived in a small town and she was the teacher for him all the way through grade school and she loved working with markers and drawing and and some of his fondest childhood memories are of art projects in the class and with her at home and so he gets all of this wonderful stuff resonated with him inside of him all these wonderful memories and emotions and thoughts when the light bounces off the hunk of energy in Dr. Rice's hand that we call a marker and hits his eyes, and there's George who's in the same room, and George had a mother who was wounded beyond belief and who was angry and violent, and she was the teacher. Sometimes she would be a teacher in his classes or his art teacher, and she she seemed to relish every opportunity to insult George and put him down. And one time she even took that marker and whipped it at him, and it poked him in the eye and damaged his eye, and he had to go to the hospital. And his mind is full of all of those associated energies that are getting resonated when light bounces off the hunk of energy in Dr. Rice's hand that we're calling a marker, and strikes George's eyes, these two people are having 
dramatically different internal experiences as they look at the marker, or Dr. Rice is talking about the marker, and the marker you see in your mind is not the marker I have in my hand, etc. The meaning for the word marker in each of those two separate minds, you know, John's mind and George's mind, are worlds apart, and yet it's the same word. M-A-R-K-E-R. Both of us can print it, write it in cursive, speak it, say the definition for it, and yet the meaning is worlds apart from one mind to another. And that's just the tip, that's basically a snowflake on the tip of the iceberg for how different each of us register meanings for different words, let alone phrases or concepts or beliefs. And that's why it's so valuable to do your own worksheet process. That's why it's so valuable instead of asking for an outside expert to tell you what do you think my problem is or what do you think I need to let go of, to just use the worksheet process or do your own meditation or do the worksheet process and do the forgiveness pattern and turn that into a minor meditation each time you do a process. You're, you're practicing the skill of turning the focus inside yourself and tapping into your own inner wisdom, your connection to a wisdom that goes beyond your conscious logical mind, that process can pay enormous dividends every time you do it, even if you don't go dramatically down in your upset level and you don't seem to have any powerful insight about how this is logically connected to that. The power of turning inside and practicing the skill of asking to be shown and giving up the knowing and the, the obsession with having to be right or, or wanting to know the perfect answer right now, that powerful process has benefits every time you do it. And over time, if you're willing to continue using the tool, those benefits accumulate. They snowball. And you will soon have a tool and a muscle memory for how it feels when the tool is being used productively. And it will be something that no one can ever take from you. So I thank you all for listening. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. Thank you, Yurate and Son, for your comments today. And I will welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you. Appreciate it. And you have an enjoyable time away. And uh, I'll take care of playing your show for the next week and a day. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Blessings. All righty. Bye. So welcome, everybody, to uh, MindShifters Radio. And today is Thursday, May the 19th, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. We'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. Give Michael a moment to dial in, and I'll invite you to go to the website, as always, whyagain.org. And uh, look around. Uh, There is... uh, you, know, you can do the worksheets on the app, but they do them online. And 
So all of that information uh, is on the website. Quickest way to get there, there's a big button that says Wake Up Sheet. And if you go to that, then you'll see the uh, seven step and the new uh, short form. You'll see a link to the app. And you'll see a link that says click here to be redirected to do it online. And so all of those are available. We have several people that are actually doing the codependence to interdependence intensive. And I had a young lady to write me earlier this morning, and she, this is her second go-round on it. She kind of went through it and then stopped and then uh, decided to start it back up again, and she said she's loving it. So, uh, you know, that's available. That's uh, $600, and you get uh, 14 weeks, 17 weeks of uh videos and the worksheets and everything, you do it at your own pace. I uh, told this other young lady, I said, you know, just because it's laid out as 17 weeks, you can take 52 weeks if you want to, or you can do a crunch on it and get it done in five. It's totally up to you. And so you can do it at your own pace. And Michael is with us, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and continue. We're reading out of The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And so we're just reading a couple of paragraphs each day and then Michael's commenting on how that fits in with the work or adding information. And if you have any questions or comments on it, we would love to hear it. So picking up where we left off yesterday. If you haven't reached this awareness yet, just start to watch. Spend a day watching every single thing your roommate does. Now, if you haven't been with us the last few days, he's talked about the voice in your head and that it's actually like having an inner roommate and that the inner roommate never shuts up. And so he's saying to become aware of it and to pay attention. There's actually, in the journal that goes along with it, he gives an exercise of taking this roommate and give them a body and pretend like they're outside of you and spend the day with them. So, it says, um, this is in the, in the journal, can you hear that voice when it talks? Make it say hello right now. Say it over and over a few times in your head. Now shout it outside. Can you hear yourself saying hello outside? Of course you can. There is a voice talking and there is you who notices the voice talking. The problem is that it's easy to notice the voice saying hello, but it's difficult to see that no matter what the voice says, it's still a voice talking and you listening. There is absolutely nothing that voice can say that is more you than anything else that it says. And it talks about, uh, let me flip over. So when you're having a good day, what are, a few, what are a few thoughts that you might have about yourself? And write a few sentences describing positive thoughts you are capable of having about yourself. When you're having a bad day, what are some of the thoughts you might have about yourself? Write about those thoughts. Now, see how vastly different your thoughts about yourself can be? Easier to begin to see that the voice is not you. Go back over to the book now. So if you haven't 
reached the awareness yet, just start to watch. Spend a day watching every single thing that your roommate does. Start in the morning and see if you can notice what it's saying in every situation. Every time you meet somebody, every time the phone rings, just try to watch. A good time to watch it talk is while you're taking a shower. Just watch what that voice has to say. You'll see that it never lets you just take a peaceful shower. Your shower is for washing the body, not for watching the mind talk nonstop. See if you can stay conscious enough throughout the entire experience to be aware of what's going on. You'll be shocked by what you see. It just jumps from one subject to another to the next. The insistent chatter seems so neurotic that you won't believe that it's always that way, but it is. You have to watch this if you want to be free of it. You don't have to do anything about it, but you have to get wise to the predicament that you're in. You have to realize that somehow you've ended up with a mess for an inner roommate. If you want it to be peaceful in there, then you're going to have to fix the situation. The way to catch on to what your inner roommate is really like is to personify it externally. Make believe that your roommate, the psyche, has a body of its own. You do this by taking the entire personality that you hear talking to you inside and imagine it's a person talking to you on the outside. Just imagine that another person is now saying everything that your inner voice would say. Now spend the day with that person. You've just sat down to watch your favorite TV show. The problem is you have this person with you. Now you'll get to hear the same insistent monologue that used to be inside except that it's sitting next to you on the couch talking to itself. Did you turn off the light downstairs? You better go check. Not now. I'll do it later. I want to finish watching the show. No, do it now. That's why the electric bill's so high. So you sit in silent awe watching all of this, and then a few seconds later, your couchmate is engaged in another dispute. Hey, I want to get something to eat. I'm craving some pizza. No, you can't have pizza right now. It's too far to drive. But I'm hungry. When will I get to eat? To your amazement, this neurotic burst of conflicting dialogue just going on and on. As if that's not enough, instead of simply watching TV, this person starts verbally reacting to whatever comes on the screen. At one point, after a redhead appears on the show, your couchmate starts mumbling about an ex-spouse and a painful divorce, and then the yelling starts, just as though the ex-spouse were in the room with you. And then it stops, and just as suddenly it started. At this point, you find yourself hugging the far corner of the couch in a desperate attempt to get as far away from this disturbed person as you possibly can. Will you dare do this experiment? I'll stop there. And my Very cute. Talking, I can't. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's an, uh, a cool way to describe the uh, the ego. E G O. If we define the creator as the ancient scriptures do, as love, then what this voice that he's so <laughs> humorously describing does, it's, it's like its main job is edging love out, E-G-O, edging God out. It's a good an acronym for the ego. And what is it made up of? 
Well, when you start to work with the, not the belief systems of the mind, but of the actuality of the creation, at least as close as we can get to it, and and we're still using words to comprehend it, so words, of course, are only made up for things we've experienced in the past. We don't have words yet for things we're going to experience in the future. So obviously words represent the past, and the past obviously cannot be the present. However, it pretends to be. This this is the great pretender. This non-being self, this ego, pretends it has life, but there is no life there. It pretends that someone else outside of it is the problem, and yet no one else outside of it has anything to do with the content that's held from the past. When you realize that this content, when you realize that we are energetic beings, if we start with the basic premise of the why is this happening to me again work, Albert Einstein says, on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. On such things as matter, pardon me, what we have heretofore called matter is energy. Energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. There is not a material world. There is an energetic world. When we start to see things through the eyes of energy, then we are able to at least creep toward actuality rather than living out of the realities of the past. When we realize that everything is energy, we've, we have these five things we call senses that are nothing but energy receivers. And from the moment you were conceived until this very day, every frequency that enters into what we call your awareness, but really what it is is every frequency that enters into your senses. Everything you have a tuner, a tuning mechanism for, whether you are aware of it or not, is a frequency, an energy. And when that energy enters your structure, your structure stores those frequencies. And it stores them holographically in every cell in your structure, which means that it's also stored in the sperm and the egg. And when you conceive a child tomorrow, that child would have in its structure every thought you've ever thought, every feeling you've ever felt, every reality you've ever engaged in, and the blocks to awareness of those things that you say, I don't want to deal with this, I don't want to feel this, I don't want to think this. And so we have these generational patterns as false interpretations of the present moment. Now, there's a reason why they call the present moment the present. Because when you're there, there is a presence. And that presence is the conscious, active presence of love. If you're not aware of it, it's because you're stuck in this dialogue in the blocks to present moment awareness that have been unresolved in your generations. This impacts your physiology. It impacts your psychology. It impacts your emotions. 
It impacts your ability to generate accurate realities. It impacts your ability to consciously create your life. So as Michael Singer is mentioning here, it would behoove us each to be able to become aware of those patterns of thought, those conversations. And in the first century Aramaic language, the man Yeshua gave a tool for removing those things. And the removal process is called forgiveness a technology for moving out of your structure those energy patterns that perhaps have been, you know, confounding people in your bloodline for generations and generations and generations. Why did I do this? Why do I act like that? I want to act this way, but I can't. I find myself doing something else. What is the mainspring of our behavior? I'd offer the mainspring of most people's behavior are these patterned thoughts, unresolved, the ones based in hostility and fear because they're the ones that have the higher level of intensity. They're the ones that tend to take over people's minds, take over people's behaviors and their lives. You know, the child who dreamed of a wonderful, adventurous, sweet, creative life of service caught up in rage and fear and guilt and hatred and vengeance becomes a child abuser of their own children, the abuser of those around them, and the abuser of themselves. Why? Because there's a mind energy abuse in this ego structure. Until it's confronted for what it is, and it's just the frequency from the past, until it's removed, it runs the show. And, you know, oftentimes you'll hear people talk about it and they'll say, it wants to do something. And my offering is that this ego self wants nothing. It's just the program. If it's programmed to go out and get money, then it wants money. If it's programmed to fail, then it wants to fail, and it acts against its own best interest. It doesn't really want. It's just whatever's structured into it. Whatever the predominant resonant energy is at any given moment is what runs the show and runs behavior. And you'll notice how often... You'll say to yourself, okay, so, gee, I'm going to get with this person and we're going to talk about this issue that we haven't wanted to talk about. And then notice how off the rails your mind can go when what you wanted was a loving conversation to clean up an issue in your lives. Why does that happen? Because of the unresolved energy of people having conversations with each other in your bloodline and going off the rails. And until those processes are confronted consciously and replaced by conscious effort and conscious choices, then the whole system is run by a series of past decisions. This so-called body's mind is nothing but a decision-making device. And a decision 
you know, most people think of decision as that's some, the, what I decided to do, or they'll oftentimes equate decision with choice, but actually the two are totally and completely different things. Choice is the ability to originate an energy and move your energy field in the direction of fulfilling or expressing that. So if you make a choice to do something new and there are decisions from the past unresolved with all kinds of rage in them, and when you start moving in the direction of fulfilling that which you've originated, up comes the rage-filled mind. And if its basic premise is, is the decision that's held from unresolved generational energies is, well, we always fail at things like this, so we don't even bother trying, then the mind is going to fabricate. You know, there's a saying in the culture, Make shit up. <laughs> Pardon the French. <laughs> That's what the mind does. Once there is a predetermined reality that has been patterned, especially if it's been patterned in relationship to the power person, it's a response that's just mimicking the power person, then the mind will make up totally, completely irrational, illogical stories to try to justify what that roommate said. And that roommate just replicated what happened from generation to generation to generation to generation. And the mind will just make it up. And if you really listen to yourself, if you observe this Michael suggesting, you'll, you'll see that you come, there's a conclusion. And in order to feel good about that conclusion, because there's no basis for it in insanity or fact, the mind will just make something up. Something that's totally irrelevant, totally meaningless to the original issue, but the mind will just throw that out like, okay, see, now it's okay if we do this because there's a reason. <laughs> so as you observe that critter running inside your head, that ego, that non-being self, and if you happen to observe, and I'll just offer it for me, that's what I've observed in myself and others, is it usually takes us away from what it is that we really want and takes us back to the dynamic of the power person, the unresolved trauma and pain of the power person and what was instilled in us as children in response to that unresolved power person dynamic. So if you realize that you're speaking out of that and you can step back and observe it, as we've suggested many times over the years, become the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions, then you get to go, wow, that isn't me. <laughs> it's, it's got nothing to do with what I want to do. It's got nothing to do with what I want to create. But man, here it is. Why is this happening to me again? Oh, it's happening to me again because it's in here. And then the mind goes and makes it up and says, no, it's happening because Bill did this. Oh, now we're back to the one world religion of blame. It's everybody else's fault when my mind is, quote, unquote, making shit up, especially if it's based in pain. And so when we wake up to that process and then understand how to collapse that conversation, by recognizing that it's driven by a goal. The stresses involved are driven by goals. And when I remove the goal, 
that's driving me into a place where I've finally stepped back and observed and went, wow, look, look what I just told this person was true and why I was doing this. And it's a total fraud. It's a total lie. It didn't have anything to do with it. I just made it up. So it sounded like I had a reason for doing it. And when that whole dynamic starts to come unraveled, it can lead to any manner of healing crisis. Remember the four things that happen that strengthen and empower us or, or, and or show us that what the mind is doing is processing something from the past. Question, have I been doing more and more of the right things, which means I'm getting more vital? I ask myself the question, had I just reached a new level of vitality? Yes, I'm doing more of the right things nutritionally, emotionally, relationally, exercise, all of the above, forgiveness. Then, yes, I hit a new level of vitality. Now that I'm at that new level of vitality, what's happening with my elimination? Has it increased or decreased? If it's a healing crisis or a healing process, then there's going to tend to be an increase in elimination. If it's a disease process, there's, tend there's a tendency for there to be a restriction of elimination. You want to be able to observe what's happening with your own structure to be able to tell what's going on. You know, they asked Yeshua 2,000 years ago, how do you tell where somebody's really at? He said, you look at their results. If your results are drama and trauma, and you're making stuff up that has n really has nothing to do with what's going on at the moment, then it's time to tell that roommate in there that the game is over, that the jig is up. And oftentimes what that roommate will do is offer you a drug. Oh, let's go out and, you know, have a drink. Let's call Harry and go over to the bar. Let's go to the junk food store. Let's go to a fast food place where you can get something that's loaded with salt and sugar and fat, probably a, a degenerating fat like comes from vegetable oils. You know, sneak around the back door of your local fast food restaurant and look at the buckets of, uh, of um, products that they've gone through. Just take a look at the ingredients on the buckets. Look at the hydrogenated fats. Look at the vegetable oils. They have no place in the human body in an isolated form like they just bought a five-gallon pail of it. So as you start to do the things that vitalize and strengthen you, you head for eating real food, then you realize that the healing process that's going to occur means that you're going to surface what your inner roommate hasn't dealt with, and you're going to work through it. And it's not going to be Dr. Feelgood. And on a physical level, it's going to look like any kind of physical symptom you've ever had and low energy. On a mental level, it's going to look like any kind of negative thought you've ever had and confusion. On an emotional level, it's going to look like any kind of negative feeling you've ever had and depression. That's what healing looks like. So when you start to confront this roommate, that Michael's talking about. You're going to have to work through whatever it is that reflects as a fabricated self, a false self that doesn't even exist.
And so that's the work we call healing. And we're delighted that you're part of the conversation. Ms. Jeannie, does that stir any other thoughts for you? Well, actually, <laughs> a confession. <laughs> uh, the other day, <laughs> I caught my voice uh, the other day. I don't remember where I was going. And it was like, oh, you could get a cup of Starbucks coffee and have it drunk and throw the cup away before you ever get back home. And Michael won't know. And Michael will it. never know. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, I told it, no, you don't need a cup of coffee. And, uh, I mean, it was I, I actually observed that conversation going on in my head that that <laughs> voice was trying to convince me to go ahead and get a cup of Starbucks. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, uh, Yanka just wrote in the chat room, um, she says, is Michael talking about Michael Singer? And I said yes, that I'd been reading a paragraph or two at the beginning of the show for the last couple of days out of The Untethered Soul. And she said, that's so interesting. I have literally been creating sessions from The Untethered Soul. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. She said she's been working on both Michael teaching today. Oh, she said she was doing the PowerPoint to try to get it to you before Thursday, before the... Uh, class next week. Sweet. Well, I look forward to it. Chapter 4 coming up. And we do have a hand up. Great. Let's say hello. Okay. I believe that it is Joe, area code 864. You're on the air. Hi. Hey, guys. Hey, welcome, good sir. How do you be? Me? I mean, uh, I, I try to make it look easy, but, you know. Um, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello? Loud and clear. <laughs> is that, is that that inner voice so that says great. you have to make it look easy? <laughs> That's right. I had I had a similar uh, situation yesterday with feeding the dog. Oh, I, I better make sure before Susan gets home that I fed the dog. She would expect that. Okay, well, go ahead and go ahead and do that, and make sure it's got to do that first, so that she doesn't see I didn't feed the dog on time. Oh my gosh, it's like Joe. So you missed the time to feed the dog. Take it easy. But that's a perfect worksheet opportunity, because that's your oh, you power person damn nagging you. Oh, yeah, I those know. blessed worksheets. worksheets. Me and those, those blessed <laughs> worksheets. What a gift! Oh my God. No, you're right. Just what I always wanted in my mind. And and my inner roommate says, no, 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 don't. It holds up a cross and says, stay away from me with those. (laughs) She'll destroy me. Wow. Well, easy, easy. There there it is. I resonate the brain cells, uh, didn't it? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yes. Indeed. Like back in the 70s, those brain cells. Yeah. No, I, I... Insecurity came up for me uh, in terms of worksheet. Uh, got one this morning of how uh, to find myself in a situation where um, a significant other wants to control me, or I feel like there's a bit of this control thing going on, and why? You know, what's up with that? And, and it, for me, it falls into um, <clears throat> the truth is only my thoughts cause the emotional upset. And the thoughts that separate, oh, no, I use to cause my emotion is that I'm not good enough and I need to be told, you know, what to do or 
how to be instead of just being my authentic self. Uh, I, I believe the <clears throat> the roommate saying, "Oh, you're just a fraud. You're you're just an actor." Um, and then working my way through the worksheet. Thank that's you very much, of, sir. Yeah, and Joe, that's one of the basic, one of the first thought disorders that's fed to most of us by our power person. There's something yeah. wrong with you. You'll never be good enough. You're a fraud. It's never going to work. And that's one of the yeah. most important ones to to confront and forgive, remove, because mm. that spins off so many conversations by the roommate oh. and so many issues that it's just uncountable. Oh, it, it, you, it seems unsurmountable. You're, you just, you know, you find yourself in an avalanche of, of uh, crushing self-doubt and but then you or i you know wake up and say you know whoa 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 hang on a second you know this is this is nothing but a, a time for a worksheet and work my way to the forgiveness of this and to and welcome that forgiveness to like like Jeannie was saying you know being the witness of the false evidence appearing real, you know, this that whole exactly. acronym for fear, and just say, no, 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 wait a second, Here, here's the truth now, let's consider the truth, and then, you know, even that can be questioned, and it will figure out ways to question that, and so forth, but really appreciate the worksheet, um, even though they're a tough, tough work through, um, but it really, it, it, this one here in particular went back to my, for me and my internal compass, uh, and and choosing that internal compass, choosing to go back to. I'll never forget it when we were in Indiana at that Catholic retreat place, and it was, I said to you, "Hey, Mike, uh, how do I know, you know, I'm doing the right things and so forth?" And you you said, "Well, they asked Jesus that question." You know, how do you know you're living, you know, the right life? And you, you said, Jesus said, by their fruit. That's it. And that was so, at that time, it was like, you know what, geez, Mike, I'm sorry I asked the question. Because it really wasn't a great answer at that time. But now it's just so refreshing. It's very like, you know, like a, a piece of, you know, a nice apple to eat, a nice piece of fruit. You know by the, the feeling that I get of uh, just just the freshness and the wonderful feeling of relying on myself, my internal GPS, I guess, for lack of a better, or, or, or like you had just said with this, I'm not edging out God. It, it's right. I'm, I'm allowing it in. Allowing. Yeah. And and you know, let's take that example that you shared about feeding the dog. You know, the voice that barks that at you <laughs> about, oh, better not get caught being late with feeding the dog. The yeah. voice that shouts that at you from the inner roommate is probably a three-year-old that was standing in front of a disapproving power person that was just pouring yeah. who knows what into your mind. And yeah. that that's the underlying energy. You know, there's a, a, a really powerful line in The Course in Miracles that says, you may wonder why you must look upon your hatred and realize its full extent. 
If a power person was standing in hatred and a child of three perceived it as survival, the child just literally energetically just sucked that in. And decades later, this inner roommate spews that back out all over us. And that's why it can be so insistent and so painful. Yeah. That happens, Michael. That's the that's the one thing yes. too that I, I can't. I don't want to not say to to people that are listening that, that 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 actually happens to me, and I and you know you 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 feel it and you go through the forgiveness process and and it just it's just not a you know you're not going to spray some 409 on this and and wipe it off. It's it's going to be time and and just being the witness consistently being that witness and yes the other the other thing that's fascinating too for me anyway is this i i wasn't sure about this i heard this for uh word gaslighting and it comes right. from a movie years ago whereby this guy yep. gaslighted or the story is that he convinced his wife that she was crazy and she wound up yep. in an institution as a result and that it's is a good movie a function yeah yeah, I haven't seen it, but I just, the idea that somebody you should accept someone else's reality and not your own—that's yep. gaslighting, and that's the the. It's very easily done because you, I can doubt myself, I can question myself, and and you know, and again, that that questioning or there there it is again of of witnessing the ego and and watching it bark as we talk about this or that. Right. And and in this case, it's like, wait a minute, somebody else's ego is now talking to me and wants to convince me that this is what happened. When I know in my heart and soul and in, in my own spirit, no, that's not what happened for me. This is what happened. And that may have been what happened for you, but I, you know, that wasn't my reality. Every mind produces it, a reality at every and, moment. And and that's okay. You know, that's the other thing, too, is that the other person, it's, I'm not here to condemn and say, oh, you're gaslighting me. No, it's more of, oh, look at that. That's interesting. Your reality is yours. You've, that's how you understand it to be. And I re- understand mine as I in, in, interpret it to be. And just just be in that in that place of it, it goes back to for me is the, the place of holding the space of love and being that space. Yes, can someone is someone bringing me a different reality, a different perspective on my behavior or what's going on for me mm. that creates an opening for me to move forward and there's a space of love there or is it a space of insistence and repression that's happening then you're in the gaslighting right. mode but they right. can look very similar the key is what's oh, sure. the energy behind it yeah right right because oftentimes we can be stuck in a stunted reality and somebody's there saying no that's not what's happening and that's the thing we need to hear to yeah. open up, but what's the space and what's the energy behind it? Yeah. It, it's, uh, I heard a good one the other day where, you know, try to meet somebody who's got a, who's got like a three to five year old. that's the same as your three and five year old, you know, this aspect of inner child that, that misinterpreted something. And, and if, right. if those things match up, 
then you're you you can you can work together or at least have some type of common ground i guess is the way to look at it but anyway good breath and so well, i yeah, have an invitation yeah. i have an invitation for you are you ready for an invitation <laughs> Is it table for two up there at the uh, at the rice uh, cafe? <laughs> well, no, actually, it's a much better meal than that. Oh, okay. So with that ready. situation, okay. So with that situation, the dog came up around the feeding. The dog came up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want to take it all to, I mean, the forgiveness process is powerful at opening and and processing through content. But if you really want to unravel it, what I'd suggest you do, you know, you've got the 12-page codependent or power person worksheet that you did in the codependence intensive. You suggest you take that situation and unravel it because what that sheet does is go to every corner of the construct or that which constructs the reality that shows up at the moment and gives you a chance to review it and really uh, interact with it in a conscious way. Mm-hmm. So it, it'd be cool if you, uh, if that sounds ac- like an accurate or a useful invitation for you yeah, yeah. To, uh, to actually do that, and then it'd be cool to hear back from you on what you found. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's a motivator. If that there, works. That'd be too. sweet. Yeah. All right. Let me run. All right, you have less one, friend. Thank uh, you. Uh, there, there is only proper behavior in this household. <laughs> I mean, occasionally yeah, right. does something like, you know, want to go off and have a cup of coffee when we've agreed we don't do drugs. But hey, <laughs> that's what I heard. And, I heard a and, rumor, and, yeah. and you know, and and I have never. You know, been out Never. and gone, gee, I could go get a little bit of ice cream and be finished it and throw no. the container away before I get... I've never done that. <laughs> Never. <laughs> of course not. Never. But see you guys. <laughs> All right, sir. Have a blessed one. Lots of love. Uh, Bye. <laughs> what fun. <laughs> we have another hand up, and this is actually a Skype caller, so I'm not sure who it is. Welcome. All right. To Hi, hello. Hi, my name's Robin. Hey, welcome, Hi. Robin. How can we serve you? What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to just call and say how I'm inspired by your show, but also music. Do you all like to sing? Oh, yes. Yeah. And does that inspire you as well and, and you know, get you, like, kind of spiritually in a good place? It's a you know, I think it's one of the purest energies there is, is music and sound and what sound does to the nervous system. It's a, it's a powerful way to move out of sympathetic dominance into uh, parasympathetic mode where everything functions better. So, yes, I'm with you on that. Oh, that's wonderful. Do, do you mind? Can I get a sample of you singing and then I can sing? Well, it's not something I do very often over on the radio show, although once in a while I've kicked into a tune, but go ahead. All right. I'm going to sing a song called Skyscraper that inspires me. You can take everything I have 
You can break everything I am like a skyscraper, skyscraper. What do you think of that? Well, I, I don't particularly have a thought. I was just listening. Oh, what about, do you know the song Firework? No, not a tune I'm familiar with. Does it relate to this? Does does it relate to the work we're doing with forgiveness? He just he just dropped off. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, hold the space Um, for me. Call back. Yeah, Dinka says that uh, she thinks it would be awesome for you and Michael Singer to do a session together. Hmm. Is Michael uh, joining and doing the uh, the book club? We'll just ask that, that question, and maybe she can answer. She said she loves how Michael Singer puts it in about the roommate and that you have to realize that you've been locked up in there with a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's hilarious. I think it's great. So I think it's great. He does she said she usually doesn't get to get on the show, but her son is uh, um, over at a neighbor's, and so she got to come on today. I don't know if, uh, Yanka, did you hear Michael's question? Is Michael Singer part of your book club when you're going over his book? Or have you started that one, actually? I'd also like to know when um, when you're doing, when you're starting the Course in Miracles, uh, Yinka, you had mentioned in the last uh, uh, book club study that we did, that uh, you were doing that and the invitation was there to perhaps participate and I would be delighted to do a uh, maybe something in the way of an opening to lay some foundation principles for the course uh, to support it moving forward and then you know depending on when it is and what our time frame is get to check in once in a while and share a little bit from the perspective of the course. So that would be cool. And if Michael is uh, coming on live, who knows? Maybe we could create it, even if he's not. I'd be open. So any answers to any of those questions, Jeannie? No, there's not. She maybe had to step away from the computer. We have 16 minutes. Somebody press one, ask a question, or lead us in another direction. And if there's nobody with a hand up, I'll pick up from the suggestion that I just made to Joe and say a little bit about this whole idea of a power person. This is a principle that uh, uh, you can hear over and over and over and over again. I teach it over and over and over. I've taught it for better than a quarter of a century, and I still get new insights into this dynamic as I really look at it. And my take is that this single dynamic literally runs most of the world most of the time. And the power person 
is a person who had more power over your life at some point than you did. It's usually a parent and a child, though not always. Especially seeing as how it's usually the child's mind, it's when a set of realities and behaviors and conversations that the inner roommate will feed back many, many times over a person's lifetime are installed within the child's mind often very, very, very early, like two years, three years. Jeannie and I were in a store, oh, this goes back, I don't know, five or six years ago, and there was a woman in front of us, a little boy, probably two and a half, maybe three, in the cart, And there was a big scene going on over the fact that he wanted to eat some of the grapes that she was buying. And she became pretty intense in interacting with this little kid, obviously mom. I had, uh, Jeannie was, and I were behind in line. I said, well, Jeannie, I'll go ahead and get the car and pull up front. So I went out to get the car. And as Jeannie was coming out of the store, this woman had gone ahead and made her purchase and then stepped aside and done whatever she did before she went out the car. So Jeannie ended up being at the door waiting for me when this woman came out with her little boy. And the words she heard from the little boy as they walked by her going out the door were, Mom, please don't beat me. I love you. And I posited the question, what do you suppose was the interaction that, number one, a child of three or less even has a concept of being beaten, and number two, tries to save themselves from being hurt by promising love. Like you just look at that and what what kind of insanity has gone down between that mother and child. And, and when that power person dynamic is aroused, of course, is this helpless little child of three, you know, maybe weighs 30 pounds and this, adult, five foot seven, weighing, you know, 140 pounds, not much that child can do. But what do you suppose happens to the woman in this man's life when he becomes 280 pounds and is a weightlifter? And that power person dynamic of being terrorized into being beaten, what do you suppose is going to happen in that relationship 30 years later when that power person dynamic is aroused in that young man they'll probably call him a spouse abuser but is he really well yes he is he just hit his wife but why what's at the root of it three things happen in order to install a power person dynamic in a child's mind one power person has more power over the child's life than the child does. Two, 
the power person is not functioning as a human being. It's not functioning as love. And three, the child perceives the circumstance as survival. When that occurs, the child's energy field, as an energetic being, not a physical being now, but an energetic being, opens wide like a sponge and literally sucks in every energy in the environment. If that power person is raging, then there's just a, a direct transfer of that energy of rage right into the genes of the child, right into the structure of the child. And, of course, the child coming from the same genetic history as that power person already had that rage implanted in them at conception, and here it is being reinforced. Once that happens, and if that's not resolved, then that, young, that child who becomes the young man who becomes the old man aged in part by the presence of the disintegrative energy of that power person dynamic. Age is not a function of time. It's a function of energies that we carry within us. That man's behavior is going to be limited to three things until he discovers, understands, and forgives the power person dynamic within himself. And as far as I know, there is nowhere else on the planet that you'll find this piece of information. But here are the three behaviors, and, and the behavior that will govern the child's functioning at any given moment, what the roommate will demand that child who becomes the young man, who becomes the old man, the, the inner roommate will demand when there's little or no stress that he act, he will feed behaviors, that reflect what he did to get along with this power person, in this case, this little boy with his mother. What did he do to get along with her? Maybe he developed a sense of humor and was able to make her laugh when she'd get angry, and his way to escape from rage and beatings was to be funny. So now he'll be the clown when there's little or no stress. When stress starts to build, what he'll do is he'll shift into... I don't care if it's 30 years later, if this is not resolved within the mind, he'll shift into doing whatever he did to resist and survive with his power person. And then the third level of behavior, when he becomes ultra-stressed, he will do whatever his power person did to him that he hated the most. And watch the fist start to fly. And he doesn't have a choice about it. He has no idea he's being driven by that inner roommate, by that power person dynamic, and has no idea, no tools with which to change it. So he becomes a repeat offender. Now, if we had a, a justice system that was based in truth and understanding of what's going on, then instead of taking the spousal abuser who was abused as a child, throwing him into a jailhouse with lots of abuse and punishment, verbal, mental, emotional, psychological abuse, 
and perhaps physical abuse as well. Instead of that, that person, gee, they're a danger. They just really damaged the spouse. Yes, they need to be separated from the society, but do they need to be put into a, a situation where somebody with a matching power person dynamic of abuse is now the one with the badge and the gun and the stick and does all the same things that were done to them as kids? Healing means that our penal system, instead of being based in penance, and that's the root of the word penal system, what we'll have is we'll have a healing system and those who act out criminal intentions, criminal behaviors, will be put in spaces where, yes, they are isolated from the culture because they do damage in the culture. That's a reasonable thing. Incarcerating someone that's harmful to the culture, that person should not have liberty. But... They don't need more of the same. They don't need to be thrown in a den controlled by people who have the same dynamics going on that just reinforce each other and go crazy. But rather, a space where, yes, isolated from the society because they're a danger to the society. And then, disciplined. Now, you'll notice we've got a power person world that describes the word discipline as properly beat up. In fact, you'll hear people quote, and they think they're actually doing something sensible from the Bible when they say, spare the rod, spoil the child. In other words, if you don't properly beat a kid, it's going to be trouble. And I can't tell you how many people over the years, hundreds of people I've worked with and I've heard say, well... Things like, well, yes, I got beaten, but look at I turned out all right. Never hurt me. No, you have no idea how much it hurt you. You have no idea what you're carrying around in underneath that inner roommate voice that has you be so vicious and so violent when the person that you cherish violates a goal that you hold for them and your stress is elevated to the point where you become ultra-stressed and then you do what your power person did to you that you hated the most. You have no idea how much pain is there until you start to open that. That's one of the purposes of the exercise that I just suggested Joe do was in the codependence intensive we have a, a worksheet that's designed to unravel all aspects of this power person dynamic so that one can be free of that inner roommate's bizarre and insane voice and directives to behavior. The process is called healing. And that's what we're here to support. Ms. Jeannie, what's that resonate for you, sweetie? Well, it would help if I unmuted, wouldn't it? (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I was actually, um, there was another section in the, in the Course of Miracles that you talked about. Uh, you may wonder why it's crucial that you look upon your hatred and realize its full extent. There's another section of it that um, it says, uh, you can accept insanity because you made it, but you cannot yeah, accept right. love because you did not. You would rather be a slave of the crucifixion than a son of God in redemption. Your individual death seems more valuable than your living oneness. For what is given you is not so dear as what you made. You are more afraid of God than of the ego. 
and love cannot enter where it is not welcome. But hatred can, for it enters of its own volition and cares not for yours. And then there was another section that says, Beneath all the grandiosity that you hold so dear is your real call for help. For you call for love to your Father as your Father calls you to himself. In that place which you have hidden, you will only unite with the Father in loving remembrance of him. You will find this place of truth as you see it in your brothers. For though they may deceive themselves like you, they long for the grandeur that is in them. And perceiving it, you will welcome it, and it will be yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Powerful. And the, uh, another part of that passage on, you may wonder why you must look upon your hatred. It talks about the fact that these things don't stand on their own. You know, it isn't just this, this little mind comes up with a reality that's based in hostility or fear. And there it is. It's all by itself. But it's the foundation that's underneath it. It's the energetic patterns literally from the generations that make that voice as strong, as powerful as it is. Or maybe I should say, rather than powerful, I should say as loud as it is. These things do not stand upon their own. And that's why when you look at it square in the face, you recognize the goal that drives it. You cancel the goal that drives it, and it collapses, and bingo. Now you're directly in touch with the very root. For for that, using the example we were talking about with this little boy that day, you know, that boy at the age of 30 who's ready to, you know, smash his wife in the face because that's what his mother did to him. If he stops, he looks upon the rage that's moving in him. That's a reflection of the rage that his mother had. He collapses that by canceling the goal that he holds, and he drops into the moment of the most intense pain where he knew himself as an infant, as a small child, is the presence of love, and that was violated. And that's tough stuff to embrace and heal. And that's why the inner roommate's got a thousand excuses to go in a thousand different directions, rather. You know, I I love what uh, Carl Jung says. He says, people will do anything to keep from having to face their own soul. And this work is about facing it and facing it from the point of view of the observer that is love and holds the space of love. Because when those underlying dynamics are brought forward in the presence of love, they dissolve. They have no power. They're nothing but a voice from the past. No power whatsoever. They just blow away like a puff in the wind. And so that's the the bottom line of what we're looking to do is to really bring forward the set of tools that were so masterfully designed 2,000 years ago to empower each of us to literally remove everything unlike our true nature, which is love, and to live as the presence of love. So joining each of you in that, thanks for joining us at the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings.